welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls out there? We welcome you into the Sports Buffoons Studios with our boys Tanner Dawson, Jason JG, and Mike Settle here running it. What's going on, guys? What's going on, everybody? What's up, yo? Oh, we've had an interesting week, haven't we? Lots of different uh, news and events going out in the sports world. Um, That's right. I think we've enjoyed some of it, but I mean, Tanner and you and I went out last night. Yep. You know, we did. We had an okay time, but you know, we had some things happen. But we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, we have some Chiefs news to talk about. We have the NFC South today to cover. Yes. So we're talking about a little Saints action. We're talking about which, by the way, the Saints were the uh, to just remind you guys. The division winner of the NFC South last That's correct. year. That's correct. Some bucks. We're going to talk a couple different bucks, by the way. Uh, we've got the Falcons and, of course, the Panthers. And then we got some fantasy discussion as well. we got some tight ends to talk about today. So, you know, Tanner's favorite thing on a weekend. So Let's say, you're talking about my tight end? Talking about when you go to PL every once in a while and you come back yeah, bragging. Every so, once in a while. You know, you know what I'm saying? One of those kind of tight ends. But, you know, you'll find one every once in a while. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm surprised that, you know, Travis Kelsey probably goes out there every once in a while, but it's hard to say. You mean Kels? Oh, uh, we're not. We're, no, we are not getting into this Kels Kelsey topic once again. We discussed it last week. We're not discussing it again. Um, anyway, what are you guys drinking right now? Let's let's get to the point here. What are, what are the most important things of the day? What are we drinking? Well, I got some Maker's Mark here, so you know you can't go wrong with Maker's Mark. We're gonna go with the Southern Comfort and Cranberry today, guys. Haven't had it in a long time, but it's it's probably one of the goat drinks. If it's not the goat, it's probably a top five goat. A little throwback, Jason. What made you want to get SoCo today? That was weird. I saw it on the shelf, and I I, I realized it was a great. Uh, great part of humanity and i realized i hadn't had it for a long ass time so this, it, this was the time to get it was it a good part of your I'll 20s oh yeah 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 the 20s when you're in your 20s is a great time for soco for sure <laughs> soco <laughs> so you got soco cranberry not soco lime like most people would have you could, you could go either way i mean mm-hmm. i love soco lime but i mean mm-hmm. it's however you want it you, one of, it's one of those things like i think people as they get older you know our age group or the millennials or whatever like we're going to walk into a bar one day when we're all 50 years old and we're going to order a SoCo Lime. And the people are going to be like, that's like the same thing to now as like, like gin and tonic. I mean, they're going to be like, well, you're old as hell then. <laughs> How old are you? I mean, because <laughs> no one orders a SoCo anything anymore. I don't think they even have it at no. most bars. But Well, well they, they have it. Oh, they have it for the old guys? Yeah. Or the, the new old guys? Yeah, there's a reason why they call it SoCo. I mean, it's Southern Comfort, so it's really big in the South, but mm. not so much in other parts of the country. Okay, that's fair. So you're telling me, like, Texas, Louisiana, all those guys probably like that stuff? Yeah, they all know what Good to know, I suppose. I'm sipping on a little bit of uh, Maker's Mark myself. Uh, I had to make Tanner happy since I stole a little bit of his Knob Creek earlier this week, so he doesn't need to know about that. I just told you guys a secret on air, so um, <laughs> let's go ahead, you guys. Let's discuss, get this out of our systems, obviously. Um, the NBA Finals are now in the books. It is now official. Uh, this is not an asterisk year, as we've discussed uh, on this show before. This is a legitimate year. Put them in the books. They deserve it. Uh, I thought Giannis played great. Um, I think at the end of the day, this series was won by the better team because a healthy Giannis was better than everything that the Suns had to offer. Mm-hmm. And even though, as mm-hmm. you guys know, they've been watching the show for a while, and I've been big on the Suns all postseason and really all year, um, 
I, I, I thought the Suns were the better team, and I was wrong. Because whenever Giannis is healthy, he could take over a whole game. And he Giannis himself is better than anything the, that the Suns had to offer. Because the whole game plan for the Suns was to what? Foul Giannis, and they got themselves in trouble by doing that because they couldn't stop him in the paint. And so when you can't stop him in the paint, and he's blocking half your shots, I mean, you're not going to stand a chance. I think this game, game six here, was definitely won with the rebounds and also won in the paint from Giannis, and he was, what was his uh, field goal percentage? In the, or a free, three, throw? free throw? Percentage? 17 for 19, guys. 17 for 19. Yeah, that's impressive for him. I mean, that's, that was one of his best games I've ever seen him have, without a doubt. 50-burger, 50, 50, 50 as we like to say That's on the practically day near 20 points just from the line by itself. That's impressive. Right. That was 50. So, anyways, the Bucks had won 105-98. to 98. Um, So, congratulations to the Bucks. Yes. I want to go ahead and... Let you guys have your thoughts on this whole showdown. And and just a fun fact, too, uh, Craig, Tory Craig from uh, the Suns also won a ring because he was part of the True. Bucks earlier that season. Yes, yeah, so he got a ring So no he still what. got a ring and, no matter what. And, and he played one minute in that game. Somebody we'll talk about for a minute later on, and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers got an extra ring, right? Because Aaron Rodgers. Because he's part owner That's right. of the Milwaukee They Bucks. had Larry Fitzgerald on the other side and yeah. Aaron Rodgers on the other, on uh, Bucks' side. So Actually, it makes sense now that I think about it because LeBron was there supporting the Suns. So he lost another finals championship. So uh, that was an interesting thing that we can add in there. Hey, where did LeBron come in at? Uh, he was at the Suns game in Phoenix, and he was re- he was supporting and rooting for the Suns. He was in that supporting game. Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted the Suns to win. Yeah. And here we fine. are. Okay. So, fine. anyways, you guys, I just wanted to let that out <laughs> and uh, make sure you guys knew the facts of what's going on with <laughs> LeBron's career record in the finals. Now <laughs> that was random. Um, All right. Well, we had to make sure we got that put in there. But before we t- move on to you know some Chiefs topics, we're going to talk about Frank Clark. I want to give you guys the floor to talk about the NBA Finals and your full thoughts. Jason, JG, you are an NBA expert. Um, tell us your whole thoughts and everything went down. Yeah, so I, I got to start out here with Coach Budenholzer because he got trashed basically after game one, game two. I actually trashed him after game one, and I told you guys on the show, I said, if he doesn't make the necessary adjustments, which is to play big, and I, I didn't have confidence that he was going to do that, even though, you know, I'm a big Coach Bud fan because he came from that coaching tree, San Antonio Spurs under Greg Popovich. I didn't think it was going to happen, um, but I do need to. I've got a confession here that I got to make on the show, right? So What's your you guys know Jason? that you guys know my special talent. We I think we've talked yes. about it here before. Yes. And so it's I wasn't both favors before. I wasn't completely honest with you guys, okay? I wanted the Bucks to win. I knew they were the better team the entire time. So what did I do? I had to choose the Suns. I crammed the Suns down your throat this entire series. And I called uh, you out about it too. I mean, I told you yeah. we're giving the Suns enough credit, but I mean, like I said, the better team won this. Yeah, the better team won, but I, I had to like put all my eggs into one basket i had to talk up the suns as much as possible in order to figure out a way to help the bucks win but i'm very happy at the coaching job that budenholzer did um and i i knew he was a smart enough guy to make the adjustments that i talked about and those adjustments were first of all you got to play big try to get deandre ayton into foul trouble and but the only the other problem I had with this series, and especially in Game Six, the closeout game, is the fact that Devin Booker started to play like Devonte Booker. Yeah. Right. So he went zero for seven from three point land, 
8 of 22 field goal for 19 points. So if you're in a if you're in a closeout game, you can't play like Devonte Booker. You got to hey, play uh, like Devin Booker. Can I also throw the stat out for you? Six turnovers. Six from, turnovers from Booker. From Booker. Yeah. It was a bad game without a doubt. I think at that point he was so frustrated because he had dominated game five with no help of Chris Paul, and here we are. Yeah, so the other thing that gave me hope, as uh, I guess you can call me a bandwagon Bucks fan in this series, is that after game one, and I, I failed to mention this the whole time, but Kendrick Perkins was on record after game one. He called the Milwaukee Bucks the dumbest team <clears throat> in NBA Finals history. And the moment he said that, I thought, you know, this is my saving grace. This series is over. Because when you insult a team like that, not just the coach, but all of the players, that's what gave me confidence. Not to mention the fact that, I mean, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, what do these guys all do well? They play defense. And that's 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 what got them through the series and that's one thing that when you're in the NBA you can always de- you can always depend on your defense um, no matter how many shots you make from game to game um, but I had a problem with the way that Devin Booker played Chris Paul was okay I mean he had 26 points um, so I think Chris Paul actually did his job in this game they needed more from Booker DeAndre Ayton didn't show up. I mean, he was four of twelve for twelve points. Now, obviously, he Crowder, was Crowder. How do you think about him? Well, yeah, Crowder did Crowder things, but the main thing is, uh, Aiton got into foul trouble. This was not the first game that he got into foul trouble, and that's what I was preaching after game one. I was like, yep. "You've got to play big, put Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez in there, and get this guy into foul trouble because they have no other bigs." And, you know, I kind of made a big deal when Dario Saric got injured. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, we don't consider Dario Saric as a big, but he was a guy that could throw some fouls out there. He could have at least fouled Giannis. He, he was depth. He was depth for Phoenix is what he was. In right. a way. Yeah, and so, I mean, this, this series, though, as much as I want to trash the Suns right now, it's all about Giannis. So he had 50 points in the game. Most points in a finals closeout game since the NBA-ABA merger. And it's better than Jordan. So Jordan put up 45 points in Game 6 of the 1998 NBA Finals against the Jazz. And so Giannis, in this case, is he's, he one-upped Michael Jordan. He's also the second player in history with three 40-point and 10-rebound games in a single NBA Finals, and the first guy to do that was Shaquille O'Neal in the year 2000. So the question that everybody keeps asking me is, is he now the best player in the league? Well, if we're talking about a two-way player, there's no doubt. I mean, there, there's no argument here. I mean, that's that's an insult to Giannis to even have that debate. If you're talking about a two-way player, he is absolutely, no doubt, best player in the league. But Kevin Durant might have something to say about that. And so my opinion is that KD is still the best player in the league, although he's going to be 33 years old next year. Um, I'm interested to see you guys' thoughts on that. Um, but I, I still think KD's a better player. But Giannis is currently, he's the face of the league. Like, he's the Patrick Mahomes of the NBA right now. 
And you know, I'll and look he's at, likable, right? I mean, that's one of the things that re- requires being the face. Yeah, that he's likable, right? I mean, he's one of those guys we've seen him has interacted with children before, yep. and some of the things he actually acts kind of naive about as far as an American culture. I think it's kind of cool seeing that, and yeah. I like the guy. He's, he's, a guy. he's a bully on the court, but I think he's a good guy off the court. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, again, my 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 main analysis of this entire series and Game Six, if you will, just it's the defense all the way. Because you look at the numbers, Chris Middleton, yeah, he played great in the series, but he only shot six of thirteen in Game Six, one of four from three, seventeen points. I mean, if you would have told me that Chris Middleton's only going to give you seventeen, Drew Holiday's only going to give you twelve, and and that's it. I mean, I would have told you the Suns are going to win this game, but this is all about defense. And that's why, you know, this is a different discussion, but this is why USA Basketball, they are desperate to get Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, not just because of the way they can help on offense, because of, but because of what they do on the defensive side of the ball. And that's, to me, that's what won the championship. You know, it's always like a cliche in the NFL and the NBA. We always talk about, well, defense wins championships. Well, that's exactly what happened here. The Suns were the better offensive team, but the Bucks were the better all-around team, and that has a lot to do with their defense. Well, can we give it to the? I mean, can can we at least recognize Bobby Portis for stepping into that bench role and just being a force not only in the offensive side, multiple games the series, but the guy was a beast on defense. He get in people's faces. He made Crowder upset. He even upset Booker and Chris Paul. Best thing in the world. The guy's a crazy guy. I don't know if you guys actually watched the series and saw Bobby Portis's eyes. It looks like they're going to fall out of his face anytime. I think this is how he looks to and her. That's, but that's the kind of guy you, you don't want to face on defense. He looks like a maniac, and he, that's what he played like. He played great. He was great beyond the th- uh, for three-point range the entire series, and he was always in the mix. I'm going to give props to Bobby Portis because he just stepped up and beyond belief. For them, for those guys there on the Bucks. Yeah, Bobby Portis is amazing, and I think they're gonna they're gonna have a difficult time trying to re-sign him for next year. Yeah, but he's are. definitely a fan favorite, and I think if they're gonna try to make a run for a back to back, they've got to have Bobby Portis. Another guy we don't talk about is Pat Connaughton. Like yes. he played like shit on offense, but he made some key plays Defense. down the stretch defensively. Yes, and although he had a, a, a bad game on offense. He's normally a guy that you can depend on to to hit his three point shots. Yeah, no, it was it was a tough game, but he, like I said, he stayed in there and he gave it everything he got left on the floor, and he did a hell of a job when he where he needed to be. So props to him. But man, it's just it's just crazy. If you look at the stat line here. I mean, PJ Tucker, who's in the starting five, you know, usually gets all the foul calls too that are bogus most of the time. But just props to him for just sticking out. Yeah, he had zero points. That wasn't his role. His role wasn't that. His role was to shut down Booker. His role was to shut down Paul when it came to be, and that's what exactly what he did. He got in their face. Got he got in their mind too. So, props to Tucker there. Like guys, the the Bucks won. Like we talked about uh, Jason and Mike here. We we chatted right beforehand. Gave a small projection or prediction for uh, uh, Game Six. And I said the Bucks are going to win because Giannis is healthy. Giannis is healthy. It's a new game. Like when we originally made the series, Giannis was coming off that injury, and we weren't. I wasn't exactly sure where he was at, but you see, you you see what he does 
when he's healthy, and especially against a team that doesn't have anybody down low except for Aiton. And the Bucks did exactly what they needed. Attack the middle, get Aiton in foul trouble, and it's game over from there. Because Booker, Brooke, you focus everything on Booker and Paul, and as soon as you stop those guys, there's nobody else really there. So props to the Bucks. I... I said, I'm not totally surprised here, but you know it, it was definitely a great series to watch, and I'm I'm happy we had it this year. Yeah, well, I'm glad you guys gave your final thoughts on that. Uh, real quick before we jump into some Frank Clark and Alex Okafor news, um, do you guys want to talk about anything real quick about the odds going into next season for the NBA? Yes, I would be happy to talk about that. So real quick, the odds for next year to win the championship in the NBA. So we've got the Nets have the best odds at 9 to 4. Lakers are 9 to 2. The Bucks are in third. They are 8 to 1 and the Golden State Warriors are 12 to 1. And I want to throw this out there because my opinion based on what I've seen from the Bucks and their defense is that although the Nets are the favorites going into next season, I I don't trust the Nets to stay healthy. And even if they do stay healthy, what do those guys have to give? We all know that James Harden doesn't do shit on defense. Kyrie Irving doesn't do shit on defense. And Kevin Durant, although he used to do shit on defense, he's now 33 years old, uh, I would give the Bucks a fighting chance to take the Nets next year, especially because you just can't depend on the Nets to stay healthy. And so I think if, I, if I'm going to make a bet here right now at the Bucks 8-1, to one, I'll be all over that shit. I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, if I had to give my way too early prediction right now, because that's what it is, I'd totally go Bucks. But obviously, there's a lot going on with the draft coming up next Thursday for the NBA, and then we got free agency to follow that. So there's a lot that could happen. People that could maybe not potentially sign a Dame Lillard could go in some somewhere this year, uh, and that could change the whole whole game. Like the Nets could may maybe still be the favorite. But if he goes like the Lakers or even the Knicks with Randall, that could bump them up too and take over. So there's there's a lot of potential moves that could happen this year, and it could be an exciting offseason for the NBA. Yeah, Dame time is not going to the Knicks. He'll be on the Sixers next year, but that's that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah, I, I last saw Dame time in the new Space Jam movie, by the way. So oh, you he was, watched it? Oh, of course. I told you, Tanner, I watched the new Space Jam oh, the, yeah. the day it came out, as a matter of fact. On our little secret, uh, you know, Plex thing. Yeah, I, I haven't got but, to it yet. Uh, anyways, I, the movie itself, I didn't care for that much. It was kind of goofy. And at the end of the, the whole, or really ha- an hour of the movie was them playing the game. But it wasn't even playing basketball. You would get points off of dancing. And so they weren't even shooting the basketball in this game. It was literally like a dance competition or like a style points kind of a deal. And that was pretty awkward for, for me to watch when I'm trying to watch a funny basketball movie mm-hmm. and i know i'm not 11 years old but you know even for 11 year old they're gonna be confused oh so when i go play basketball in my local middle school if i do a little spin dance tiktok dance then i get style points for shooting you know that's not gonna work that way in the real life so well, anyways I'll, I'll let you know I'm, I'm like 12 years old so i'll let you know when i so watch right it. right okay. quick guys so you've already given your dame prediction on the Knicks, I've given my prediction of the Sixers. Yeah. Mike, we need a Dame pr- prediction for next year. Does he stay or does he go somewhere? Uh, he's going to go somewhere. Because as we know about the NBA players, they're not loyal. Uh, those he, guys. Have you seen the crap he's put through? Those guys will happily move around the league. Gianna stayed. For now. 
So what he's also thinking? 26, are thinking, Tanner. Are you thinking Mavericks? Are you thinking? Look, I'm not going to get deep into this. Look, let, let's let's save some of that for uh, later down the road. The next, you know, not anytime soon. <laughs> Three months from now, right? Three, Mike? four, let's five. Give it a couple of months. Six months from now, after football season, whatever. Thunder, we Jason. could then discuss thunder. some game if you'd like. But hey, I will say this: as far as the odds, I think that the Nets are probably going to be favored uh, going into the season right now. Um, but we'll see what happens <clears> in the draft. Keep in mind. Uh, Chris Paul has a $44 million player option to stay with the Suns. I'm assuming he takes that ass. I mean, why not? I mean, what kind of crazy person would not take $44 million player option to stay one more year? Um, so he'll be there probably one more year. At that point, for me, it's too late. Um, I think that the Suns have had their fun little ride, and they'll be in the playoffs again next year. But Only time will tell. I don't think they're going to be – able to put up the the test of the fight against some of the better competition of the world especially guys that have those rough guys in the paint like uh you know what they just faced with the bucks so with that said you guys moving on along here we are as you know um what's funny is i've been saying all along we're based out of overland park but pretty soon you guys we are moving to lenexa actually which is obviously if you guys are familiar just down the road not too far at all but this will be our last episode at this location. We'll in be moving. The OP Studios. Yes. The the OG OP Studios in Overland Park over here will be shutting it down. We're moving across the land approximately five miles or so. And we'll be doing our show from there from now on. So take a good uh, gander at our background and enjoy it for the last time. Or just uh, you know look forward to what we have coming in the future at least. New so. scene coming up in August. Exactly. So we'll obviously be at Chiefs Camp August 5th. So August 4th, we will have a very special show with you guys talking or actually while doing a uh, schedule release or uh, not schedule release, being doing a draft pick. draft pick release show on our episode that that day with our league that we run together. And basically we'll be doing a release live of what pick we end up getting in our draft. So we can give original reactions to our initial pick for fantasy, and we have will then have one month to prepare with that pick in mind. So I'm not one of those guys that likes to surprise everybody where you get to find out 24 hours in advance or even a half hour in advance. Put your number in a hat. Put your number in a hat. Right. No, we're not doing all that either. <laughs> so we're just going to literally randomize it right away live on the show here in two weeks and go from there. So anyways, you guys, let's move on and talk a little bit about the signing of Alex Okafor and if this is enough for the Chiefs defensive line, and if this is enough for what the Chiefs are going to be doing throughout the entire season, obviously they're going to need some depth. They're concerned about Frank Clark and his, um, you know, felony possess in charge. And Correct. so that's going to be an issue, something that I'm interested in, you know, finding more out about how the league handles this, uh, if he is suspended at, at all. Um, because there's a lawyer based out of Kansas City. Her name is Ellen Mathist. And she expects Clark to play in every game in 2021. So she, based on her knowledge of how things work, she thinks this is going to be such a process to have to go through that it's going to be something he can play every game this season. Uh, but it's but the NFL at the end of the day is going to have the the better the bigger say over what he's done, what happens with his career. So I think they can make those choices as the NFL wants to as a suspension could unfold. So even though Ellen Mathis may think that, you know, Clark could play and should play every game due to how it works in the courts, well, the NFL could also say, you made us look bad. We're going we're gonna to suspend you for two games or so on. Yeah. And so I want to keep that in mind. Um, but 
the Chiefs did add, as I said, Alex Okafor to the roster once again. Obviously a very familiar face. Back in 2019, Okafor had five sacks with the team. Uh, 2020, uh, three sacks only, but he was also injured. Something I want to keep in mind with you guys is that Okafor, his best season ever was in 2014 with the Arizona Cardinals. He only had eight sacks in that season. So this is a guy 30 years old. I mean, it's a stopgap, filler, veteran type of an addition. Is he going to amount to much? No, he's really not. So we need guys to step up along the defensive line, especially a defensive end. Because we're going to assume we're going to have a season with potentially missing games from Frank Clark, in my mind. And so we're looking at Taco Charlton. Is he going to be healthy and playing up to his capabilities as he was as a first-round pick? Can Mike Dana go from basically being a great, uh, basically, edge guy to where he is containing, he's great at containment, good against the run, but can he rush the passer? I don't know. We've seen enough of that yet for him to be able to unfold those capabilities. Um, and then, obviously, after that, they, they've made some additions like Joshua Kando, and I think he is as raw as they get when it comes to defensive end. Uh, I'd be very surprised. Obviously, at this point, you and I probably thinking the same thing. We should have kept Tano passing you. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's a guy you and I both like. And we're in this situation right now where I'm scared for the Chiefs' pass rush and what's going to happen going forward throughout this season. Because if the pass rush is not there, these young corners are going to have a problem. And obviously, we want to see LaDrega Sneed step up and capitalize off of a great rookie year. Uh, Travis Ward has obviously had ups and downs. Obviously, we've seen him make some plays, but he's also still our starter. You know what I mean? Um, I just I want to see basically this defense flourish because I don't want to see a repeat of 2018. I don't want to see Patrick Mahomes out there having to put up 50 points a game to feel like he's comfortable in, in that situation because the offense, you guys, I mean, we're locked and loaded. We're good. It's yeah, going to be great. Fine. The offensive line looks as good as ever. Um, the running game is going to be great with Clyde Edwards, A. Lair, the Fresh Prince. And we got a situation where even though Sammy Watkins is gone, uh, still got Tyree Kill, Miko Hardman going into year three, and then uh, Cornell Powell, receiver, rookie receiver from Clemson. I think we'll get plenty of playing time as well. And then let's just hope Demarcus Robinson can pick it up as long as as, as well as Byron Pringle. But I want to ask you guys real quick. Um, did the Chiefs have the Chiefs done enough, or should they look into acquiring someone else? Because Melvin Ingram is now off the table. Melvin Ingram has now been signed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. That defensive end, who could have been a presence for this team, is gone. Justin Houston is still available. Mm-hmm. I would love to have Justin Houston on this team. I don't know what it's going to take, but Tanner, what's your thoughts on this current state of Frank Clark, and is Alex Okafor enough? I think I think Okafor is enough. I think he's enough for the defensive line, and it's because of the depth we we have and we provided on this one, right? So potentially Frank Clark, you know, may if he does go out, it could be at any point of the season. Remind you too, NFL they could do an investigation. It could be about mid season, and he could be suspended for two games off the bat. We got to remember this part. But I I love the depth that we have because there's a guy you forgot about, Jaron Reed, the guy we signed from Seattle. Okay, this guy. It's Chris Jones-like, almost. And the guy is coming in here to produce a run-stopping. And if we need to bounce him outside, that's fine. Because we got Naughty right there. Naughty is going to be able to step in so as Tanner, well. We, we know Chris Jones is going to play outside a little bit, right? He's going to play outside. Do you outside think Jaron Reed could also play outside? I think he could. I think he could be a force outside as well. Okay. I think, well, I think, too, with, 
with the depth that the Chiefs have and Spags with the schemes and stuff, mm. you're going to see a possibility of a whole bunch well, of different combinations on that. Speaking of line. forgotten about, Tershawn Wharton yes, could actually yes. be an outside edge rusher. That's another guy who's going to be an undersized tackle. Because we forgot all about Wharton. I mean, make him lose five like, to ten pounds. Well, He's got the speed. Look at Spags sitting back, looking at this depth of the line. He goes, oh, Frank Clark's out a game or two? Well, that's a shame. Let me mix this all up. And can you imagine a left tackle lining up against a Wharton or a, or a Reed style with big guy Naughty in the middle and a, maybe a Naughty Wharton in the middle and then Chris Jones on the other side? Like, that's still a force to be reckoned with. Let me let me say this real quick, guys. Uh, Sean Wharton, 6'4", 256 pounds. That's the same size as Frank Clark. Yes. So he's not a traditional D tackle. No. This might be the secret and surprise for the Chiefs D in situation that they believe in him to play the edge. So it was Tershawn Wharton because he was the guy I was going to bring up as well. Mm-hmm. This guy has come into or is going to be going into camp. He came into mini camps way better shape, a lot mm-hmm. more speed, a little bit more built, not not as well, I want to say big in the belly. But more built. So this guy has obviously improved his body, his performance. He's worked on it. There's no reason why this guy can't come around and be even more effective this year. Treshawn Warden is your answer. Okafor is great for death. Okafor is great for a vet leadership presence as well on that side. If Frank Clark does go out for an extended time. But I'm not worried about this, guys. We got depth on that line. I'm not looking at Dana to do really anything. I'm not looking at Okafor to be a monster. I'm looking at guys such as Wharton. I'm looking at guys such as Reed. And I'm looking at guys uh, such as Jones to just step up and ease up on the like ease up on this depth guy on this on this depth. So there's not so much pressure on those corners. So I uh, look. I think Trishon Wharton is going to be our answer in the end. And but what we'll, what's we'll up to see how training camp rules and how uh, preseason rules? Right. So to answer your question, Mike, no, I don't believe the Chiefs have done enough. Uh, I appreciate the addition of Alex Okafor, but I agree with you in the fact that we need to do everything we can to try to obtain Justin Houston. Um, you know, Alex Okafor, he's great for depth. He's only thirty years old. He's already got experience on this D line under Steve Spagnolo. Only played 11 games last season due to a hamstring. Uh, but I, I love the addition of him just for depth. Uh, but as far as Frank Clark is concerned, okay, we all know that he's got to be productive this year or we're going to cut his ass. Unless, I mean, he's got to explode. He's got to have an amazing career year where he's probably going to get cut. But I do want to play a little bit of a game with you guys right now. And uh, so... What happened with Frank Clark is that he got caught with an Uzi, which is a submachine gun that fires 950 rounds per minute. And so right now, I am going to make you guys the judge, right? And I'm going to set the over-under at two games suspension because that's, that's probably where I think he's going to be at. He's going to get suspended for two games. So you guys are going to go over or under that. If you're the judge... And you have to, you know, well, if you're the judge of the NFL, if you're Roger Goodell. Can I just, can I just say it? two games is the right amount? Like, I agree with the two games. I agree with two games. I don't think you need to go over. I'd say under would, would be, I don't know, I'll say it. it's not as enforcing of it. But I think if you do two games, I think it's just right. Yeah, I think two games is correct. I think at the end of the day, NFL is going to look at this and they hate having their image affected correct and at the end of the day that's what they're going to care about the most 
does this really affect their image more than a guy using PEDs? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of similar to me as far as what the way they view things. The, the long you know telltale I mean? of I'm not, the NFL. About what, I'm not talking about what's actually bad yeah. or what's worse, but like I think that they're they're scared about how they look. And I think two games is correct. I think we'll see ultimately a one-game suspension. Well, I think, I mean, when you're talking about their image, I mean, how many games did Ray Rice get for his bullshit? I mean, he only got, what, like like four games or something like that? Or how many games did he get, if you can remember? I have to, I'd have to check back into the Ray that's, Rice. I mean, deal. if you're talking about tarnishing the image of the NFL, I mean, that's right. the standard. But they right also, there. Ray Rice did that when he was in the prime of his career. Yep. And it's hard for them to also completely wipe out a guy who's a star at that time and a face of the, of the league as well because right. they don't want to eliminate – great players unless they have an injury you know what i mean yeah and so it's hard for them to also do the same thing too so i think at the end of the day though two games probably is going to be falling under the the fair margin there but it's a matter of when and as i told you guys a little bit ago this uh kc lawyer ellen mathis believes he'll play every game this whole season because the court process is going to take so long for this to play out that he'll play every game and there will no be, be no ruling until sometime in 2022 and so let's hope that's not somewhere around Super Bowl weekend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, Frank Clark, he's owed $18.5 million this season. And the Chiefs obviously signed him to a big contract. And he's played two now two now seasons with the Chiefs. Uh, 2019 at eight sacks, three forced fumbles. 2020 at six sacks, no forced fumbles. I mean, this is not the kind of guy you want to have as your pass rusher you rely on. You know what I mean? These are numbers that, as you talked about, Jason, Justin Houston had eight sacks last year with the Colts. And that was obviously a guy who's really, for the most part, besides smoking a little weed here and there, had any trouble at all with the league. And we're dealing with Frank Clark, who has notoriously been kicked off of campus at times in school, had problems in Seattle, and now is having problems in KC as well. I just don't think this is a guy that really is going to last much longer with this team and they're going to find a way to terminate his contract at some point i don't know when or how or how it's going to go about but besides that you know the playoffs obviously in 2019 he was very productive but he's not given the chiefs what they need as a pass rusher um of being reliable game in game out uh, he disappears for weeks at a time and that's a guy we don't need to be paying that kind of money to and so i don't like but the future who, of him and casey who's been on the other side though of frank clark who's been on the other side I mean, I don't know, but I'm, I mean, we've had a few, you know, what? Alan Bailey? Right. Passing you? Not Alan Bailey. He's you, already gone. Look, you don't have a Chris Jones not, on the other side. Sure. You've now got Chris Jones sitting across. Who are you going to double team? But would you also disagree with this? Frank Clark is a lazy player? No, I don't think so. You don't think he's a lazy player? No, I don't. Okay. I think it takes plays off. Right quick, let me give you my psychoanalysis of Frank Clark. Oh, okay? boy. Here we go. Gear so, up. I'm just going to throw it out there. Frank Clark last year had a Super Bowl hangover, right? So just take any player, whatever you, whatever player you want to throw out there besides Tom Brady. When you get a ring, when you get a championship, you know what's the most likely thing that can happen? You're going to have a Super Bowl hangover. So to me, if I'm psychoanalyzing Frank Clark, I mean, he probably just shit his pants last year and didn't give a fuck. But now what happened? Now all of a sudden... You got caught with an Uzi in your fucking vehicle, and now you're you're you know you might get suspended. So now all of a sudden, I think he's going to have something to prove going into this year. I mean, he knows the Chiefs are going to cut his ass unless he fucking has an amazing year. So I, I think you could see a little bit more out of Frank Clark this year than you might expect. 
Interesting. All I could think is that if you put Tom Bahali's brain and, and heart into Frank Clark, then you're going to have 15 sacks a year. And Frank Clark's not that kind of guy. Look, we're, we're going to see a different Frank Clark this year, mainly because of Chris Jones on the other side. We had added some depth in the defensive tackle position, so we're not going to miss Jones so. as much. I, I believe in Chris Jones. I at, least, th- at least Chris Jones has passion for the game. I think I you're going to – Frank Clark does. I like Frank Clark, and I think I love – I like watching him play, and I do watch him play. I think the guy will be effective this year, unlike last year. I think last year he was he was double teamed a lot, and there was just so much for on his side. Nobody was doing the other side, and we didn't have a rush on the other side. So let's let's give it this year because Chris Jones on the other side is going to cause a lot of offenses to to have to decide. You can do Frank Clark or Chris Jones. Guess what? I'm probably going to go with Chris Jones right now. That should leave it open and for Chris Frank. Chris Jones will end up with more sacks than Frank Clark because Chris Jones well, Chris, is relentless. Because Chris, yeah, Chris Jones will probably do that anyways, regardless. Well, I'm telling you right now with what's going on with Frank Clark right now, I mean, he's got two options, up or down. He's either going to shit the bed or he's going to have an amazing year. I don't think he's, it's just going to be a mediocre type thing where he just kind of under slightly underachieves or slightly overachieves. So you say no, the Chiefs have not answered the Frank Clark situation. I think that they should answer with something else. I think Okafor was not the right answer. I think Justin Houston would be a better answer. But if they leave it as it is, I think Tershawn Wharton can produce if used correctly. That is my answer on it's that. Just, it's not enough for me because okay. you have to allow for injuries. I mean, you look at the New England Patriots. What do they do every fucking year? They have five or six fucking running backs on their roster because they know one of the motherfuckers are going to get injured. Yeah. And so that's where I'm looking. That's how I look at the Chiefs' defensive line. Yeah, I mean, you you got to have a rotation because you know one of those fucks is going to get injured. It's not easy finding pass rushers either. The NFL, that is the most scarce, I think, position of all is pure pass rushers who can get to the quarterback mm-hmm. consistently and pressure the quarterback. It's hard to find those guys. When you find them, you can't let them go. I think with the depth Spags has, I think he's. I think we've answered it. We we actually had to probably answer to it beforehand, but I like what Spags. I'm going to give. I want to give Spags and Andy a chance to to see what they can do with that depth because there is a lot of potential there and a lot of different schemes they can work. All right, guys. We'll see how this unfolds. As time goes on a little bit further. Yeah, and we'll uh, talk about it later on in August here. So. Looking forward to seeing how, really, you know, when training camp opens up, they're going to have their initial day one depth chart, right? And if so I'm curious, obviously they're going to have Frank over there at DN, Chris Jones at DN. But after that, who's going to be put at DE? Is Wharton now a DE? I don't know because with the addition of adding Jerron Reed in there and obviously already having Derek Nottie, but then having more depth in their de- de- defensive tackle as well, I mean, um, then I think they could be set at D-tackle right now, mm-hmm. but with the flexibility of having Chris Jones move inside if they need him to. So yep. that is something to watch out for as camp unfolds and the battles unfold, and we'll be watching that closely as we get closer here to Tanner. Is it July 27th? July 27th. So this Sunday, oh. guys, Sunday, July 25th, rookies report. July 27th, everybody else shows up. And that is pretty much almost the entire, entire league. So, uh, guys, we are we're here. It's it's time. It's football season. All right. Speaking of that, you guys, let's do what let's, we, we've been doing our countdown, basically. Leading up to the beginning of week one, we're doing a weekly um, Division. breakdown, divisional breakdown, mm-hmm. where we've already gone over, Tanner, we've already gone over the NFC – North. East and North. Yep. Today we're hitting on the NFC South. Any of your thoughts on what's going to happen in that division? Um, let's start it off real quick, guys. 
Let's go Panthers as our first Ooh. team for the NFC South that we're going to discuss. Last year went five and eleven. Sam Darnold is now their quarterback coming over from the Jets. Um, I'm a little bit worried about that. I don't know how that's going to work out for him. He's also in a revival kind of a season to where he could uh, potentially coming from obviously the Jets. We all kind of consider <laughs> to be a bottom three team in the league. Yeah. Um, but he's coming over from that situation. Last season they were 24th in points per game and. My biggest problem right now is that it's not that they just have, you know, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, which I like both those guys that drafted Terrace Marshall from LSU. I like him as well. Tanner, their, their left tackle is Cameron Irving. I mean, we're, we're putting Sam Darnold, who's still trying to mature, by the way, with Cameron Irving as his left tackle. This is going to be a did, disaster all, did all they the sign, way. Did re-sign Mo, uh, Moten or is he right tackle? Taylor Moulton. Taylor Moulton's a right tackle. Okay. Yes. So their, their left is Cam Irving. Oh, Lord. And it's going to be a disaster. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking with this because we all, as Chiefs fans, know about this. Their, their tight ends are going to be a disaster. They got Dan Arnold. They got Ian Thomas. That's fine. Christian McCaffrey, obviously, last year was some mm-hmm. injury concerned. He's back. They're going to be running the ball at hopefully well. We'll see how that goes with McCaffrey. Um, now, I'm not – you know, going to bash their offense too much. It's like they have something to work with, but it's not going to be great, let's be honest. Their defense, though, they did add some pieces to their defense, without a doubt. And so they added Hassan Riddick, Denzel Perryman, and then drafted J.C. Horn. Um, I like this. This is Joe Horn's, uh, is it his son, Tanner? Is that son, right? correct. That is right. So I think this is actually a team that has some talent on defense, but their uh, offense is going to have a lot to, you know, wish more for. For me, I got the... Panthers finishing at seven and ten on the season. What do you guys got? Yeah. Ooh, I like that pick there, Mike. So the Panthers are plus one thousand to win the division, which means it's not going to fucking happen. Um, <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I like their additions that they made on defense. Although I'm not uh, convinced that they're going to be able to generate consistent pressure on the quarterback. Uh, the most interesting thing for me, besides the return of Christian McCaffrey, is I want to see what that uh, reunion looks like between Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson. I think uh, those two are going to put up some numbers. I think they're going to have some chemistry. Uh, but as far as my prediction, I'm going to go 9-8. and eight. I think they are going to have a winning record, but I, I just don't. I, I think they got a little bit more work to do on the offense and the defensive side of the Is ball. this a playoff team? Oh fuck no! Okay, no. Fuck no. Not. Nah. So the Panthers guys, five and eleven last year, missed the playoffs. Uh, third in third in the, the division. Like Mike said, added Terrence Marshall, J.C. Horn, and running back Chuba Hubbard. I just like the name, so I had to say that. Uh, and then of course Sam Darnold via trade uh, from the Jets, and then gone. Who's who left the team? Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos and deep deep some tackle Kawan Short who I thought was pretty good depth for them. So that's a kind of a issue on that side still for depth-wise, but I think they'll be all right. Uh, keys to success for this year for the Panthers. Sam Darnold has to have a breakout year. Obviously, Cam Irving at left tackle scares the hell out of me for him, uh, but he needs to have a breakout year this year. He's in a much better system, a much better team uh, to be able to actually do this. He has, some, of course, the running back positions are already better by itself with McCaffrey. 
Um, so make, so that's a huge key there. So Sam Darnold has a breakout year. Christian McCaffrey needs to be healthy the entire season to help these guys. And the defensive line needs to cause disruption for this for this cornerback, the secondary squad, and the and the Panthers. So giving J.C. Horn that chance to provide some some playmaking tools. My prediction for the Panthers is a seven and ten season as well. Seven and ten. We're both on the same page here, Tanner. Yep. Let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons now, who finished off four and twelve last season. Uh, obviously, lost Julio Jones to the Titans. Now, Calvin Ridley takes over as their WR one. Uh, good for him. Ridley is a solid, solid player. I like him a lot. Obviously, they drafted tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. Great, great, great draft. I think that was mm-hmm. six overall. Is that right, Tanner? Six overall. I think so. Uh, now, Mike Davis is now their starting running back. I want to see how that plays out. Obviously, kind of a little swap coming from Carolina, as we just talked about. Mike Davis has had some good, uh, productive games without uh, Christian McCaffrey in the lineup uh, over in Carolina. So coming over now to Atlanta, we'll see if you can produce that as well with the new team. I don't know if that's going to be the case. It's hard to say. Cordero Patterson also, if you notice, Tanner? Running back. Is now a running back. Running officially, back. Officially. Because we realized as a receiver, he sucked. So, you know, he's always been one of those guys. He's been in the league now forever, it seems like. Special teams. And he's just been a return guy, played receiver, played some running back. And now the Falcons are looking at him as kind of, I think, their Dexter McCluster of all things, if I'm going to put it uh, in in some kind of fashion. That's fair. To where he's going to be used as a slash, running back slash receiver. And we'll see how that plays out. Um, But I think this team has regressed. Absolutely. Um, I don't think this is a team on the right path whatsoever because Matt Ryan is still at the helm, and not because Matt Ryan is still at the helm, but because this team is regressing with Matt Ryan. And so Matt Ryan now getting older, you would think in that situation, you're like, wow, I want to get out and go to a team with more talent. And instead he's stuck. He's stuck in this situation where he's not going to be given an opportunity like a Matthew Stafford has been going to the Rams. Instead he's in a situation where he's seeing his team kind of, you know, talent-wise implode. And I think that I do like guys like Russell Gage over there. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he's shown himself to be a good player. And their third guy is uh, Christian Blake. You know, it's, just, it's a lot that you wish you had a little bit more of, for sure. Losing Julio Jones is going to hurt, without a doubt. Kyle Pitts is going to get a lot of targets in this, off- in this offense, without a doubt. But, you know, when I look at this whole team top to bottom – Defense is not good whatsoever. They they got Dante Fowler Jr., who's been injury prone. Deion Jones is great. After that, I mean, what are we working with here? I just Marvarious I see a lot Mingo of was added. Or? Sure, that's, that's like fine. That's I, something I don't know what to think of that because he's also a guy who's not lived up to his name um, as times progressed in the NFL seasons, as that we've seen him. AJ Terrell, I mean, that's fine, whatever. But defensively, this is a Probably a bottom six team defensively. Man, I'd say bottom, and bottom four. I think offensively, we're looking at Matt Ryan getting shipped out pretty soon. And he's not going to enjoy the season. He's going to have a rough time, and it's not going to be pretty. The Falcons are not a team I want to be a part of watching this whole season. Uh, I like Ridley, but it's not enough. Falcons are 4-13 and 13 for me. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. You know, you said uh, when you're talking about the Falcons, you said, what are we looking at here? Well, I can tell you what we're looking at. We're looking at dog shit. And my opinion is that Matt Ryan and the Falcons, they're all going to die a slow death Mm -hmm. together. It's kind of like before the Atlanta Hawks got Trey Young. What do we talk about NBA players that used to go to the Atlanta Hawks? That's where NBA players go to die. 
Well, the Atlanta Falcons are getting ready to die a slow death. Yep. And for me, it starts with their secondary. I mean, I think they're going to have a shitty-ass secondary this year. I mean, I do like the uh, the tight end duo that they're going to have with Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. They're going to be running a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, but for me, that's the only bright spot for this team because Calvin Ridley, he had actually uh, some uh, minor foot surgery in June. So just last month, they say he's going to be okay for training camp. So to me, Calvin Ridley is going to be a question mark. I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. You know, they're plus 800 to win the division. That's not going to happen. Uh, I'll say 5-12 and 12 for the Falcons just based on, you know, the fact that they might give you a little bit of offense here and there. But, I mean, they're probably going to be worse than that. But I'll, I will say 5-12. and 5-12, I like it. Atlanta Falcons, they were 4-12 and 12 last year, last in the division. Obviously, we knew them for blowing multiple leads in the fourth quarter last year. They were very good at that. Um, some key ads there, uh, tight end Kyle Pitts, like we talked about, rookie guard Jalen Mayfield, wide receiver Tajay Sharp, maybe, running back Mike Davis, who's going to be the starter, and lo- linebacker Barvarius Mingo. That's, not, not that's, a, that's a bad list. That's your key, Sharp? That's your key ads for the Falcons for Lord's sake. Tajay Sharp. Wow. Guys, and that's a stretch. Do you realize the Chiefs had Tajay Sharp on their roster at 1.2? Yeah. Oh, and he was wow. cut within like a week. Yeah, he was. Oh, cut I mean, this this is this is not an addition, Tanner. I'm sorry. There, but it's no, not no. I'm work just out. saying that's that's a stretch for key ads, right? Right. There. Exactly. I know. And that's what that's the moves they made. And then your yeah. drops you had, of course, or well, your people that are gone, more like it. Julio Jones traded the Titans. Running back Ito Smith is gone, and defensive end Alan, Alan Bailey. Bailey is no longer with them either. Brutal. Um, which is kind of surprising for that kind of defense, but. Whatever. Uh, key success, guys. The Falcons' defense can't blow these fourth-quarter leads if they get them, if they even have them. Um, the defense has to be better, plain and simple. And, but the biggest the biggest uh, key to this for their success this year is it all falls on Matt Ryan's shoulders. You don't have the weapons like you've had in the past. You don't have your Julio Jones savior there. Um, you got guys that are pretty much unproven outside of Calvin Ridley. Uh, you have Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts at tight end. You better f- figure something out here. So it's going to be elite play by Matt Ryan. He has to play on an above level than his Super Bowl run. He has to be beyond that, and that's going to be really tough for him. That Even the offensive lines are up for them. So my projection for the Atlanta Falcons is 6-11 and 11 this year, just based on their schedule. I think there's there are worse teams that they're going to face than the Falcons, um, and they will split a couple division games. But I think 6-11 and 11 this year for the Falcons. So right quick. So we all agree that the Falcons are probably rebuilding at this point. So would you I guys wouldn't even say rebuilding. It's not even real rebuilding yet. It's just awful. But would you, would <laughs> you guys make a bad. move? Would you make a move for like Jordan love? I would trade Matt Ryan no. right away. I would, I would get, I would make, love. I would help him and help myself at the same time. Cause it's probably a team out there that would take Matt Ryan. It's already got a quality roster. And this is just going to waste a year of his yeah. career. And he's not that I'm saying he's anything special, but it's yeah. also not fair to him. I, I I would, he's, I, it's awful. It's going to be bad. What you're saying? No, I would not. I would would not be afraid to make moves on this team. Somebody wants somebody that's been around for a while. Give me a good deal. Sell the you, farm. You, you yeah, have the farm. You sell them. Keep your Kyle Pitts, obviously, of the world, and those kind of guys. But like. You know, the rest of it, oh, keep your Ridley's, keep your Kyle Pitts, whatever. But the rest of it, sell the farm. <laughs> Let's get rid of that. It's a bad roster. I'm sorry, you guys. 
So Mike says four wins, Jason says five, Tanner says six. All right, guys, let's move on to the New Orleans Saints now, our division winner of the NFC South. Yes. Who went 12-4 and four last season. Um, this is going to be very interesting, you guys, watching how this unfolds without Drew Brees for the first time in a full season, uh, really since, what, 2006? Is that right? Hurricane Katrina time? Oh, six. You know, something along those lines? Yeah, wow. I think that sounds about right. So, um, watching this unfold is going to be very interesting. And rather than me sitting here talking, I actually have questions for you guys on this one. One or two. Do you guys believe in who's going to get more snaps at quarterback, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? Tanner, you go. Jameis Winston. Who we got? Jameis all the way. Jameis at more quarterback. Even though Taysom Hill went 3-1 and as a starter last season. Nope. Jameis. Still Jameis. Okay. Now, do you think that also the Saints offense is going to help revive Jameis? Because Jameis had, obviously, as we know, a great offense at Tampa Bay and failed going 30 for 30. Yes. He had a, what was it, con- or corrective eye surgery or whatever. So, yeah, okay. he should be better. Interesting. So, <laughs> how to, so, my question then is this. How does this team win? Because this team is going to still use Taysom Hill in this offense in some kind of way every single game. And so they used him with Drew Brees, so of course they're going to use him with, with Jameis Winston even more. Uh, this is not going to be a thing where, you know, oh, we'll just leave Taysom on the sideline. No, they paid him money. They paid Taysom Hill good money mm-hmm. to be a part of this offense. He's not just going to sit there and do nothing. And so I don't know where he's going to come into play, but I think that it's going to be interesting to see how that situation unfolds and who the hot hand is. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe Sean Payton can dial up some things to where they're going to get wild. I, never, never, every game might I, not know he's going to be a starter. I honestly think you're going to have to work him in like you did with Drew Brees last year, where you're going to have set to just taste him for a while without sure. even running the ball, but actually passing the ball. So I think there's going to be a lot more sets mixed in. Like I'm not saying it's going to be like a 90-10 split, right? I'm talking about like maybe a 60-40. That sounds right to me. I'm thinking yeah. a 60-40 split, and yeah. the defense really? is going to have a 60, tough spot. 40. I, I think so, too. Because here's the thing, Jason. If, if Winston starts throwing interceptions, right away, Peyton's going to start going, no, that's not going to fly. We're and gonna, that, that could even Taysom switch. Taysom Hill, obviously, as we know, is more of a ball control style. You know, he's, he's, he's a running quarterback, as Correct. we all know. But he's also not going to throw a bunch of picks. He's going to make easy reads, one read kind of a plays. Where Winston could get out there, as we know, Mr. 30 for 30, mm-hmm. throwing picks. If that's the case, he's pulled. It's not going to work out very well going into the next game after that, following that bad game from Winston. Hill's going to get to start right away. I believe this is a full-fledged competition without a doubt. Oh, yeah. And I think they're going to go with the hot hand. Whoever's playing better in camp, whoever's playing better in the games, is going to get more snaps. And so for me, one more thing, you guys. Can Winston revive his career? Is this his chance to revive his career? Because at this point, he's had success early on. We thought, you know, he had a great rookie season after the crab legs and all that kind of thing. He's had moments of uh, looking great, but is he honestly? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be serious. Is is he too dumb to be a successful NFL quarterback? Nope, not at all. You got, you got one guy there, that one guy only, Sean Payton, QB whisper. The guy is gonna figure help with Jameis out, and okay. of course he'll have Drew Brees in the back pocket. Help the too. footwork, help the mentality. I hope and mm-hmm. go from there. I think is that right? Yep. Okay. Well, anyways, my prediction is nine and eight for the Saints this year. What do you guys got? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Jameis is too dumb. I mean, we're not talking about the Milwaukee Bucks when Kendrick Perkins calling the dumbest team in <laughs> NBA Finals history, but. Now, I wouldn't call him dumb. I mean, but you do have the concern there about the eye surgery that he had, and so. That, I mean, that's kind of a coin toss. We don't know how he's going to respond to that. I mean, 
I do believe that he will be the starter. I mean, Taysom Hill, he's going to be 31 years old when the season starts. And I think Sean Payton, whatever turnover issues that Jameis Winston had when he was on the Buccaneers, I mean, to me, that was a shitty-ass roster. I mean, Jameis Winston is going to do better. I, I do believe that with Sean Payton, you know, being an offensive genius, I, I do think that Winston is going to correct his turnover issues, providing that his eyesight was corrected. And so I, I don't believe in the 60-40 bullshit that you suggested, Tanner. I think it's going to be more like 80-20. And honestly, you know, there's always the chance that Jameis could shit the bed. But at that point, it won't be 60-40. I mean, Taysom Hill will be a full-fledged starter at that point. But Jason, you also th- you also just said that the Bucks 2019 roster was shitty. And we know that's not the case. They had the best run defense in the league, and they still had Mike Evans... Running the show. It, it wasn't like, shitty. I'm just Chris saying, Godwin. like, he, he had his eye. He had problems with his his eyes, allegedly. Okay, so it's a Winston problem. The roster itself, we saw Tom Brady take that and make it sure. blow up. So yeah, the roster. I just want to clarify that a little bit. That's fine. The roster was fine. I'm just saying I'm not ready to throw Jameis under the bus just yet. I mean, yeah, we know about his turnover history, but we gotta give the we got to give the guy a chance here. I mean, I think there's some talent there. We just got to wait and see, you know, if uh, his eyes have been corrected or not. And if they're not, then, of course, you know, Taysom Hill is going to be your fucking every week starter. All right. What's your, pre- but, what's your so prediction? So I'm going to go with uh, uh, their plus 300. I mean, I actually like mm. that bet. I, I would make that bet right now. I'm going to go Saints 10 and 7. I, wow. don't, I don't have them winning the division, but it wouldn't shock me if they did win the division. I'm gonna go ten and seven. All right. So New Orleans Saints guys last year twelve and four, first in division like we talked about, uh, ended up losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right in the playoffs. Right. Correct. Yeah. Unfortunate right there. So uh, they had some key ads of linebacker Shaq Smith came from the Dolphins, Quan Quan Alexander, and of course our boy defensive Tano Passanio. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Drew Brees are both gone from that team. And I don't know if you guys knew that. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. So That's fine. Um, but that should be interesting where he land, lands up. Uh, key success. Figure out this QB carousel you're going on, right? Is it going to be Jameis? Is it going to be Taysom? We'll figure it out more on camp, obviously. Sean Payton's got some hard, hard stuff to figure out here. Uh, I think a big key, no matter who is quarterback, your big key here is a healthy Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas has to be healthy this year. You need him in the lineup. It can't be a Camara show again this year. It has to be a healthy Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas is in. You got a chance to have a hell of a year, especially if no matter who's that quarterback. Um, and then also the defense. The defense is going to have to carry some of these games because Jameis is not elite. Taysom is not elite. These are two not elite quarterbacks, and you're going to have some games that you're going to need to carry that. The defense need to carry that team. And when I mean carry that team, I mean putting pressure on the quarterback and get some turnovers going. So uh, I'm. Personally, I'm not a big fan of New Orleans right now. I just think there's too much uh, change going on at the quarterback scene and too much question uh, if they can maintain being healthy throughout the year. So I'm going to go 9-8 and eight along with mm-hmm. Mike here for the New Orleans Saints. Nice. I think it's going to be a run-first offense this year, actually, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, uh, with the you know, obviously Latavius Murray and the additions of uh, Ty Montgomery as well. Yes, so, I forgot Ty Montgomery. Let's uh, think about that. But 
you know, Buccaneers moving on here to our Super Bowl champions. Uh, the whole team is back. This is going to be very simple for me to <laughs> like go there's, over. There's not very many things that, that happened. Not a whole lot to talk about. The whole team is back. They I mean, added Giovanni Bernard, guys. I Okay. Who You like that guy? G- Giovanni Retard? Giovanni Bernard? I, I don't like or dislike him. He's fine. All right. <laughs> well, obviously they still have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Antonio Brown is back for a full season now. Rob Gronkowski. Yep. Uh, the Ronald Jones is still my boy, as you guys knew last year when it came Burnett's to fantasy. There. Defense still looks stacked. Uh, this team, to me, is fifteen and two. Wow! All right, Jason. Well, the Bucks are plus one seventy, and uh, yeah, it's it's I, I I've got them going eleven six. I'll just throw it out there right now. I do think that they will win the division. Got everyone back. You got basically three starting tight ends now. Once uh, now that you got OJ Howard back, uh, like the fact that they drafted that rookie edge rusher in the first round to go alongside Shaq Barrett and JPP. So I love the defensive line, and I think they should be the favorite to win this division. But I'm going to go 11 and six here. All um, right. Well, obviously there's not much to talk about for Tampa Bay. Like Mike said, everything happened. They were 11 to five, second in the division. They won the Super Bowl, as we all saw. Um, no real value lost, obviously, because they re-signed everybody. I think the keys to success for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, keep Blaine Gabbert out of that quarterback spot. Okay? Keep Blaine Gabbert out. That means protect Tom Brady at all costs. Protect Tom Brady. Let Tom Brady do Tom Brady things. You do that, you'll be fine. I think 12-5 and five and first place in the division. Nice. You, you guys kind of both have a regression, actually, by based on your numbers. Well, look, I looked at the schedule, and there are some key games that I could see Tom losing, potentially, like a Buffalo game. I could see him uh, not performing too hot, and uh, there was a couple other games. And I think he'll split with the Saints in the division and probably lose one of these dumb Carolina Falcons games just because mm-hmm. that's how he does every year. So, yeah, I mean, I had him at 11-6 and six simply because, you know, what do we do when we talk about champions? Do they really give a shit about the regular season? No. no. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're going mean, to have some, some moments that you're just going to lose. Yeah. Well, well the regular season in NBA Brady. terms, Jason, means nothing, as we all know. In the NFL, it does mean a lot. Well, what was he last year, Tom Brady? I mean, 12 and 4. He also 12 and four. lost the division to the Saints. I mean, he could be 11 and 6 this year and still go back to the Super Bowl. I mean, I understand the record matters, but I mean,. They're not going to give a shit if they play half-ass through the regular season. They're going to show up when it's crunch time. Yeah, I like this team top to bottom. There's no flaws, really, for the most part. I mean, we could we could nitpick a few things, but otherwise I don't, it's not I don't want to spend time on it, really. No. This is a good team. They should be in contention once again for the NFC Championship game, without a yeah. doubt. It'll be kind of interesting to see if the Saints can pull off a wild card this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the most interesting thing. Yeah, this those two teams will be fun to watch. I think the Panthers might be fun to watch, too. Yeah, Falcons potentially. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks so much for listening to our NFC South breakdown. Uh, we'll see. We'll keep track of our records as time goes on and going throughout the year and see what we think and uh, adjust maybe a little bit of some of our thoughts. But let's move on to our tight end rankings for fantasy football, you guys. Uh, this is our second segment now of fantasy. Thank goodness we were yes. talking about fantasy once again. And we're trying to ease you guys in a little bit. We're not trying to go full-fledged into this to where we're just throwing fantasy at you all at once. I mean, Camp Pens didn't even we'll, start it, guys. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we're going to have a lot to talk about here in the coming weeks, without a doubt. But we're going to talk about tight ends today. Uh, not talking about the girls I saw at Twin Peaks, but more talking about some of the football players we've been seeing in the past few years. And so, obviously, my favorite tight end of all time... Uh, George Kittle? 
Oh, yeah, I love George Kittle. I love George Kittle. Okay, that's right. Thank you. I was not going to talk about Jennifer Lopez. But let's go ahead and talk about some Travis Kelsey. I wasn't talking about play either. <laughs> oh, whoa. All right, well, if you want to go, I mean, it's 2021, man. Shoot your shots. So do, do, do what you do. So Travis Kelsey is our number one tight end on ADP rankings right now, coming in at 12.8 on the ADP list. And so that basically means if you're in a 12-team league, as we are, he is coming in just at the very tip of the second round. So That's what she said. Yeah. Just a tip, Tanner. And so at this point, I think that's a perfect ranking for Travis Kelsey. So we're going to play a little game here. We're going to play overvalued or undervalued or just right. And so for me, Travis Kelsey is just right. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I'd say just right as well. I th- obviously, I think he, Travis, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, whatever you want to call him, is the best tight end in the league, and he's proven it year in, year out. And you got a healthy Patrick Mahomes with the offensive line coming into play. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, top of your tight end list. Get him if you can. Yeah, I'm going to go overrated here, and a lot of this is just because I don't like drafting a tight end at 12.8, so that's where his ADP is at right now. I'm not going to shoot for a tight end at at the 12th overall pick. I mean, I know he went for 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns last year, but I'm going to go overrated. I think he will slightly regress, just slightly. I still think he'll be the number one. In fantasy, but he'll go down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. After that, we have George Kittle coming at 25.7 on the ADP list. And obviously, with some of the additions, obviously, coming back with the 49ers, they're going to have a healthier team once again after missing, I think, 20-something guys on injured reserve uh, overall on that whole team. I think it's going to help Kittle a lot throughout this season. I think he is still a top-notch tight end, great athlete, and can do it all. Uh, more of a straight line tight end, if I can say that in some kind of ways, to where maybe not as good of a route runner as, as Travis, but he's got more straight line speed and uh, physical ability that way. I think 25.7 is just right for Kittle. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I agree with you there, Mike, too. I think it's right on George Kittle. Obviously, he's going to be a weapon no matter who's the quarterback, if it's Jimmy or potentially somebody else. Uh I keep that in mind on the health of Jimmy as he always seems to get injured. So, but I think George Kittle can be a weapon. I'd say 25 right around that range is perfect. I agree. I think he's properly rated here. Obviously injured last year. I think he could actually overachieve that ADP of 25. So I'm going to go with properly rated here for George Kittle. Next we have Darren Waller coming in at 34.4 from the Oakland Raiders. Or whew, I said Oakland Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little behind, Tanner. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think that uh, Waller obviously proved himself last year as a tight end. Keep in mind, this guy was actually a wide receiver at Georgia Tech just a few years ago. And they're transitioning after, you know, obviously he's a bigger-bodied guy. Made more sense. So I think Waller, honestly, coming in at third right here on this list, at 34, is actually perfect. So I like him at three. Yeah, I'd say he's right on, too. I, Darren Waller, who had a great season last year, was a fantasy effective as well. Um, I'd say he continues to streak with Derek Carr, and he'll have another big year with him. Yeah, I agree. I think he's properly rated at 34. Uh, he actually had uh, about the same amount of targets as Travis Kelsey last year, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, and I think he could easily overachieve that. So I think you might get a little bit of value there, but I think he's properly rated. After that, coming in fourth here, we have Mark Andrews from the Baltimore Ravens coming in at four, uh, 49 flat, I think, as his ADP currently, yeah. which basically in a 12-team league would put him at the top of the fifth round. 
And so with this pick, I'm not a big fan of it. I think that uh, he kind of proved that a little bit. 2019 had a big season with touchdowns, regressed a little bit this, this last year. I think Mark Andrews is a product of the system. I don't think he's anything special whatsoever as a player. I think there's guys down this list, as I'm going to name off, that are going to be better. I think Andrews is definitely overrated, especially with the acquisitions of Sammy Watkins and Rasad Bateman to that offense. Nick Boyle will also steal reps. Andrews, do not draft him as your fourth tight end on this list. I agree. Overrated for sure. They're the next three in I'd rather take ahead of Andrews. I did have him last year personally, and I know his effectiveness. So, um, Andrews, it's not a Lamar Jackson thing, guys. It's just there's more weapons on the wideouts right now. All right? he And the Andrews also has to stay healthy. Again, health comes into play. Mm-hmm. I'd say overrated for Andrews. And we'll name off the next three guys that should be ahead of him. Yeah, so I agree. Mark Andrews is definitely overrated at an ADP of 49. I just think for me, like, they know what you're going to do. Like, they know you're going to try to throw it to Mark Andrews every fucking time. In the end Defenses. And so they're going to get smart to that. I mean, he had 58 receptions last year, which is only five more than Mike Jasicki. So that's not that big of a difference there. So go out and draft Mike Jasicki much later in your draft and don't spend a, a high pick on Mark Andrews at 49 ADP. Yep, I think we all agree on that. Uh, TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions now comes in as our fifth tight end on the list, which is very interesting because Hawkinson still has a lot, a lot to prove. Uh, coming in, obviously, as an early pick, I think, from Iowa. Is that right, Tanner? Is that Correct. Came from? Correct. And so it came out as 50 right here, just one spot barely below Andrews on the ADP. I think Hawkinson is a good player. Um, I think he still is coming in. He's coming into year three now, and his progression as time's gone on has been great. My biggest problem is you removed Matt Stafford. Now you got Jared Goff, but that team lacks a lot of weapons. And I'm not. this is not so much of a justification for Hawkinson being at five on the tight end list, but more so that they're not going to have a lot of options to base off of. You know what I mean? It's, it's, just, it's not going to add up for anyone else to get a lot of reps, where Hawkinson should see the field pretty much every play. And so Hawkinson here at 50 is actually perfect to me as the fifth tight end. Yeah, actually, I'll take Hawkinson right where he is. I I just think with Goff, he's going to need some kind of – a safety net so, and Hawkinson's going to be the guy. It's a snap share thing. He, he's, he's a big old guy, big tight end guy, and he's going to be the one available for that pass. So mm-hmm. I like Hawkinson where he's at 50 is right around where I would take him as well. So let's, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I'm going to go with overrated here. And I understand what you're saying about Goff. You know, he's going to want to check it down and throw it to him a lot, but I just don't trust this guy. I mean, he was fucking injured. Like, all year last year so I, I don't know about his health and as from a fantasy perspective i just don't trust him so i'm gonna go overrated here yeah after that we got coming in at number six uh kyle pitts at 56.4 on the adp list uh this is an interesting one you guys this kyle pitts is obviously a very special um receiving tight end i think he's drafted the highest since vernon davis actually back in like 2000 Five, 2004, something like that. Four, so, I think. Somewhere where Vernon Davis was taken. And Pitts obviously has been shown to be a playmaker. He's going to be on the field pretty much every snap. Um, it'll be the best weapon Matt Ryan's had at tight end since Tony Gonzalez left, without a doubt. Um, and they're lacking weapons after Calvin Ridley as well. I think this is a great spot, but I'm also going to say overrated. I think 56.4 is a little too high because I do not trust rookie tight ends. I think tight end is one of the toughest positions to learn coming in as a raw young guy because you literally are learning to be an offensive lineman 
and to be a pass catcher at the same time and understanding route recognition and reading the quarterback at the same time. You're, you have so much on your plate at once as a tight end that it's difficult to be successful right away. You see it very rarely in the NFL. And, uh, you know, Travis had the luxury with the Chiefs of missing that entire first rookie season and then very next season coming in and be able to pick it up right away. So, to me, Kyle Pitts, I love him as a player. At number six, I think there's better guys below him here. Uh, I think he's right where right where he should be at six here. Um, obviously, like Mike talked about, Matt Ryan is going to need some guy to check or look down to outside of uh, Ridley and Ruggs. Sorry, uh, did I say Ruggs? No. Yeah, you said Ruggs. Russell. Russell. Okay. Lord. Russell <laughs> uh, outside of Russell and Ridley. Uh, so Kyle Pitts, I think, will be a valuable weapon for Matt Ryan this year just for the fact that there is no other really guy. Um, so I like him where exactly where he's at. Yeah, I'm going to go with properly rated here just because I'm, I'm unsure about the health of Calvin Ridley. And so I think Kyle Pitts could be boom or bust here. I mean, I think he could have an amazing season or I think he could kind of shit the bed or kind of be hit, hit or miss. So I'm going to go with properly rated here at an ADP of 56. After that, coming in at number seven, we have Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles coming in with 60.3 ADP currently. I think he's underrated, actually. I think Dallas Goddard is a phenomenal pass-catching tight end. I think that the only thing in his way right now is Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz has been slowly regressing downhill, as we've seen year by year, the last three years. So this is his time to steal the show, especially with, uh, you know, depending on what happens here with Jalen Hurts or if there's a, you know, whisper Deshaun Watson trade down the road. I think that that's a possibility, as I've heard some rumors. And that Goddard prevails in that situation, especially with either one of those quarterbacks. So I think Goddard's going to be phenomenal. I think that he's finally going to have this season to have a great one and get himself into a true tight end one position. He's underrated, in my opinion. I agree. Underrated for sure. I think he actually, actually around the Hawkinson Andrews mark is where you should look at him, um, just for the fact that uh, Ertz is on its way out and really regressing as well. And Hertz is going to need somebody to pass to. And Goddard's going to be the guy. So I like Goddard. I think it's underrated. I think it's kind of closer to where that Andrew spot should be. Now I'm going to go with overrated here just because Zach Ertz is not out of the picture just yet. I don't really trust Jalen Hurts at this moment in time. And so I'm going to go overrated for Dallas Goddard just because I'm not willing to spend that high of a pick. I mean, he's a 60 ADP on a tight end. I'm not willing to go that high. All right, after that, we got a couple more in here we're going to name off. But we got uh, Noah Fant from Denver coming in at number eight at 67.2 in the ADP charts. I'm a big fan of Noah Fant. As long as he's healthy on the field, he should be a supreme target for that team, and especially the way that they run their offense. So. Noah Fant, to me, is slightly underrated, but also in a good range for good, for good value. So if you scoop him up around 70, I think you got to get yourself a true number one tight end. Uh, I'm going to go uh, right where he should be. Noah Fant's right where he should be, 67.2. And I, I, like, I said, like Mike said, you can't go wrong with him. I think as long as the guy can stay healthy this year, you'll be fine. Yeah. I definitely think he's underrated at an ADP of 67, only because I, I do think that Aaron Rodgers will be the quarterback of the Broncos, and then at that point, Noah Fant's <laughs> going to blow up, blow up like you've never seen before. Oh, we're still going on about that. 
That would be something special to see, or Jason. I mean, that would be great. <laughs> There's still going on about that. All right, guys, we got we got one more to go over here. Uh, Tyler Higby for the Rams tight end coming at 85.8 on the ADP chart. I think he's overrated. I think there are better options underneath him, such as uh, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Kosicki, um, and I mean we could go Hunter Henry potentially could be an option. Uh, Robert Tunyon. And I mean, yeah, that's an option. I think he kind of was a fluky. Touchdown number last year was 11, I believe. Hey, we'll have to see. But honestly, Tim Tebow at tight end is probably better than Tyler Higby. So, uh, but no. In all honesty, guys, though, uh, I think he's a little overrated with the raise. I think there's better options there. My sleeper, though, is Mo Alley Cox from the Colts with Carson and Wentz combined. I think that is an, a touchdown red zone machine potentially there. What do you guys got? Uh, for me here, I think uh, Tyler Higby is overrated. Um, granted, I do like him. He's not far overrated by any means because he has Stafford passing to him. So mm-hmm. look for him to still point, get Tanner. some get some reps in because Hawkinson got reps with Stafford just fine. Look at Higby having the same thing. Like I said, I wouldn't go that far down, but maybe a couple yep. spots there. Yep, good point. Um, my hidden sleeper for tight end to look for in the late rounds, guys, is rookie Adam Trotman of the New Orleans Saints here. Third round pick, 6'6", 230. Uh, just think about this. 2018, Winston had over 200 attempts to the tight end, fifth best in the league. And 2019 with the Bucks, he also had 70 completions between two tight ends uh, as well. So in that, like, I think Jameis Winston's going to look for a tight end, and there's no straight starter veteran tight end on that presence. So look for Adam Trotman to be a weapon for New Orleans. Okay. I will also go overrated with Tyler Higby. I mean, I think there's uh, there's a lot of potential there now that they have Matthew Stafford. I agree with you, Tanner. And so, I mean, he might improve a little bit. I'm just not a big fan of drafting him at that ADP. So I'm going to go overrated for Tyler Higby. My, see- my sleeper is going to be an ADP of 134, Evan Ingram of the Giants, and I do believe that this will finally be the year where he's not going to get injured. If that's the case, he That'd can put be up awesome. big. He can I mean, explode. If that's the case, we're looking at a 1,000-yard tight end, potentially. No. Potentially. So, I mean, that would be a sight to see, finally, if you could all put it together for, for once. But uh, any final words, you guys? Thank you so much for listening out there, YouTube land and Spotify land. Uh, I mean, are we going to announce that we may not be on next week? Well, we will try to make that work. For the, we've been on every single week, as you guys know, Correct. for one year now. Almost one full year. Almost. We're all, we have a lot going on. Obviously, we're, we're transitioning from this studio's here to a new studio. And so with that said, it's going to be difficult for us to spend a lot of time on preparing for the show. But, uh, I mean, you know, I think that we can make it make it happen. I'll put it this way. There could be a big surprise mm-hmm. next week. Yeah. Even though we're likely going to take the week off, there might be a might surprise. Be a big surprise. Which means you should, uh, you know, like, subscribe, and click the bell for notifications in case uh, we do put keep, up a show. Keep an eye out on our social media pages. I'll keep you guys updated as well. Yeah, of course. And obviously we'll be at Chiefs Camp here soon. And we're going to have a big show August 4th. Without a doubt, it's going to be huge. Uh, very excited for that. Lots of Chiefs news coming out, obviously. Uh, so that's going to be something we're going to be spending an entire show on Chiefs talk, basically. Correct. The entire one hour, at least, will be about Chiefs. So uh, with all that said, you guys, thank you so much for joining. And I will see y'all on the next one. See ya. See you guys. <laughs>